Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your home for 24-7 politics and sports talk. My name is Rufus Hornswoggle, the Gatorade guzzler. I'm joined on the line by the one and only Long John Silver. How's it going, John? Yeah, it's going great. Hey, David. Hey, everyone out there in podcast land. Hey, John, last night, last night you had a dream your fell off. What's up with that, bro? I did. I had, I had that dream. Uh, it's a dream I've never had before, but then when I Googled it, apparently it's a pretty common dream. You know, another dream that I have, and which which I'd rather speak about other than that, is my teeth falling out. Oh, you ever have constantly. That dream? Oh, constantly. Right. So apparently like 40% of people have that dream sometime in their life, and like 10% of people have it on a regular basis. You know what that means? I do because I read about it once because I was dreaming it so often that it was freaking me out that I would bend over a water fountain in an elementary school to have some cool, refreshing water. And then all of a sudden, my mouth would just be filled with like teeth. I would be spitting out teeth and I couldn't spit out all the teeth that were in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, the dream about your teeth falling out symbolizes uh, stress, I think. Maybe. Yeah, there, there are a number of things. So, But I read... Uh, on something on the Sleep Foundation website that an Israeli study on this had determined that people that dream about this actually have tension in their jaw and in their teeth. And they really believe that it's probably connected to, you know, not necessarily grinding teeth, but some sort of tension in the jaw. And that, uh, you know, then your your brain is making a story. Like, your teeth are falling out because your teeth are actually in an uncomfortable position. So it might not even really be psychological. Wow. I don't know how to process that. I don't know how to process it either because now it makes me realize, is something going on? I've never had problems with my teeth or my jaw when I sleep. Ever. Yeah. I think I grind my teeth a little bit. What if there was an AM radio station and it was just dream talk? It was call and show about dream talk, but it was like a sports talk radio station. Yeah. Wouldn't that be good? That'd be good. Welcome to 1220 ERQ, your home for dream talk. We've got Nancy on the line uh, in Boise, Idaho. Nancy says you had a dream about a giraffe driving a motorcycle. What's going on, Nancy? Speaking of dreams, we did a Patreon episode the other day. Not about dreams, but about baseball, about the infinite foul lines in uh, baseball stadiums and whether they, uh, the whole country is covered in fair territory or not. If anyone's interested in listening to that, uh, you can become a member of Patreon for a small monthly fee, and you can hear that, and you can hear about David talking about getting hit in the head with a baseball, and also about how fast... I can pitch a baseball. Baseball talk from the baseball boys. You'll never find two bigger fans of baseball than Kid Midas and Long John Silver. Mm -hmm. Um, Which one is baseball again? Is that the one with the funky stick? (laughs) Just a little baseball joke there, folks. I do know what baseball is. Okay, we have a lot to talk about this week. Holy guacamole. Since last we spoke, many, many things have happened. You'll remember that last week's guest, Bill Scher, was guiding us through all the ins and outs, the processes and procedures of the Build Back Better bill, Biden's $3.5 trillion um, proposal, along with the one point, what is it, $3 trillion infrastructure bill, and whether uh, Jayapal's uh, congressional progressive, oh, fuck, and whether whether Jayapal's Congressional Progressive Caucus. I got it, I got it. And whether Jayapal's Congressional Progressive (laughs) Pock... 
and whether Jayapal's Congressional Progressive Caucus would be able to wield their power effectively. Looks like they did. I, I think Bill, Bill didn't think they could. I know. This was a big this was a big coming out for these House progressives. Yeah. And it looks like they did it because the bills are are still linked at Biden's insistence or Biden's support. Right. A lot of the media reported this was a huge setback for Biden's agenda, but I'm not really sure it is because isn't this kind of what Biden said he wanted the whole time? I think people are so used to, are so conditioned to believing that these that these bratty progressive women are going to torpedo everything and they're going to ruin the dreams of this nice old white man Joe Biden. I think it's I think their brains are broken. It, I think it breaks their brains to to consider that this is actually what Biden wants. I think on some deep narrative level. So you're convinced that this is what Biden wants. You believe I mean, I that. Should I not believe think, that? I don't know. Well, I mean, aren't we supposed to believe that the inmates are running the asylum and that Biden has no idea what's going on and it's just oh, a bunch right. of his? Yep. yep. He's an AOC puppet or a Soros puppet, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think those I are don't the talking points on the right. Uh, I, I don't believe that either. No. I'm sure Josh Gottheimer believes it. Did he gain? <laughs> Why don't you bring us up to speed on his little missive? Yeah. Josh Gottheimer was really frustrated, kept saying that uh, all of this was going to pass and that uh, it was pretty much a guarantee. And uh, it didn't happen. He's talking about the infrastructure bill. Yeah, he's talking about the infrastructure bill. Gottheimer was convinced they were going to pass the infrastructure bill and they would punt on Build Back Better. Gottheimer was talking about popping champagne. And then what happened, John? It didn't pass. You know, the, the Congressional Progressive Caucus came up and brushed him back. Uh, he took it pretty personally and actually went out and wrote, wrote out a nasty email and then sent it, basically. Sent it out saying that uh, Nancy Pelosi had gone back on her word and had failed them. And I think he tried to get a bunch of other people to sign it, but they wouldn't sign it. It, it, just, <laughs> it just ended up being his own thing. His penis fell off, basically. His penis yeah. fell off in front of everybody. Yeah, now, that's right? true. I mean, he was completely yeah. emasculated. Manchin made a, a counteroffer for the Build Back Better um, proposal. Biden's number was $3.5 trillion. Manchin proposed $1.5 trillion. Right. Uh, Jayapal said, no, no, thank you, Joe Manchin. Uh, we're not going to let you single-handedly shave $2 trillion off this, <laughs> off this huge uh, progressive piece of legislation. Manchin then retired to his houseboat slash yacht. It really is interesting to see who calls Almost Heaven, which is the name of this watercraft, who calls Almost that watercraft heaven. a houseboat and who calls it a yacht. But in any case, the nation was chilled to its core when they saw images that riled those of the anarchy and chaos of January 6th as West Virginians in kayaks, one of the most intimidating forms of boats, surrounded Joe Manchin and asked him to explain himself. Truly, this was voter intimidation taken to a new extreme. And by voter intimidation, I mean voters intimidating their poor beleaguered senators who only want what's best for them. I loved how, I mean, he just was 
so high up on that boat. It was not, it wasn't a great look. It looked like a yacht from where they were, from where they were filming. Well, I mean, a canoe at, looks at like a level. yacht if you're in a kayak. I mean, come on. Yeah. A kayak is like a, is the flip-flop of boats. You cannot be lower to the water than you are. I mean, I personally love kayaking. I think kayaking I hate is so, kayaking. Oh, it's so weird. It's so uncanny and spooky. So I love Okay, kayaks. so I've only kayaked a few times in my life. And you, you know how weird my body is. I have like the longest torso of all time. So when I get in a kayak, I'm immediately lower than the water level because I just flip over immediately. But everyone is. Your butt is always lower than the water level when you're in a kayak. That's what yeah, but, so, but because so. my body is so high up, it's not natural. It's okay. um, we'll talk about it another time. Okay. John doesn't always like to talk about his body. We try to get him to talk about his body. Yeah. We have a new section we're going to call Body Talk, where the two of us, two middle-aged men, just talk about their bodies and their and their long yeah. march towards decrepitude and senescence. But we're going to I'm save just that telling for you, now. I don't have a good body for kayaking. I have a good body okay. for swimming. Okay. And I love this part of the podcast. Keep going. What else do you have a good body no. for, John? John, name five things you have a good body for. Swimming. You only Pitching. need four more. Pitching. Right, sure. Baseball great, pitching. Yep. Great for pitching. Uh, cycling. Okay. Good cycling body. Yep. Long torso. That makes sense. Hunched over the handlebars. Yeah. Two more. Uh, deadlifting. Deadlifting. Yeah. Get this guy in the gym. You're going to see some iron thrown about. One yeah, more. That's probably it. That's it. Okay. Four things. That's a good amount of things to be able to do with your body. Oh, you left one off, John. Being a terrific podcaster. Okay. Let's get back to our podcast, Election Profit Makers. So Manchin was surrounded by angry kayakers. This chilled the chattering classes to the very core. But not to be outdone, <laughs> we have the Kirsten Cinema bathroom invasion of 2021. A nation riveted, stunned, as they saw the footage of Arizona activists following Senator Kirsten Cinema, one of the two holdouts of the Build Back a Better agenda. They followed her into a bathroom and harassed her with ruthlessness for many, many hours. It was like the taking of Pelham one, two, three in a bathroom stall. Mm -hmm. And boy, oh boy, were people, did people have opinions about this? Now, John, I must say something, which is that sometimes when I'm scrolling through Twitter and I see a tweet or a headline, oftentimes I form an immediate emotional reaction to that headline without actually reading the article or watching the video. I know I'm one of the few people on earth who has this <laughs> shortcoming. Right. I assumed, based on the reactions I was seeing from a lot of media people, mm -hmm. I must say, including Bill Sher, our friend, that when these activists followed Kirsten Sendham into the bathroom, they were like basically like smearing feces on her or, or something. Because people were people were like, okay, well, that, that's going to ruin it. Now she'll never vote for anything. Why are people harassing her? This is a bridge too far. This crosses a line. Then I watched the video. These people, I've never seen more mellow people talk to someone in a bathroom, okay? These people were so freaking polite. They're polite. They're soft-spoken. They say they used to volunteer and door knock for Kirsten Cinema. I mean, this was so chill and mellow. This is the worst that you have to worry about? Come on. I thought it was a little bit overblown. And I'll say something else, John, which is that Kirsten Sinema is not known for having town halls. She hasn't held one in years. So how are her constituents supposed to communicate with her? Send her a fax, maybe? Faxing, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But you know what? If someone used a sans serif font on the fax and that leaked, you, I'm sure Politico and Axios would say that was a bridge too far. That was, that was alienating, right? You should always address a sitting senator with a serif font. Yeah, she, she needs to be able to, to handle 
people harassing her. That's that goes to the thing. I mean, it wasn't. Uh, it probably wasn't effective. In, uh, but I'm not saying that they shouldn't have done it. But I don't know. It was a little weird looking. It was a little weird looking following someone into. I'm the saying bathroom and filming I am, it. Er, sure. I there, guess. Th- but let's 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 untangle this really briefly. I mean, On if the, the goal hand- is to try to persuade her, persuasion. I don't know. I, I it probably didn't persuade her. It probably made her look like an uh, a. Uh, a victim, in a sense. So, from from that standpoint, it's not great. I have a couple things that I'm thinking about this. One is that the irony of these people going into a bathroom and Kirsten Cinema saying it's a bridge too far, it's too disruptive, this and that. Did you know, John? I didn't know this. Kirsten Cinema back in 2003 was associated with Code Pink. Okay, you want to talk about disruptive tactics? I mean, she still dresses like she's the Grand Marshal of Code Pink. But back right. in 2003, the Republicans made hay of the fact that she had helped organize an anti-war protest. Younger younger listeners won't know this, but in 2003, we were actually we had decided it was a good idea to invade and occupy Iraq. Okay, that 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 happened, yeah. and a lot of people were opposed to it, including including this group of absolute rabble rousers called Code Pink, <laughs> of which Kristen Cinema was a member, apparently. Now, I mean, I so- <laughs> guess she was she's wearing pink at this this uh, this protest. So, I mean, I guess he's a member of Code Pink. Well, it's like maybe it's like Black Block. It's not. It's not a. It's not an official organization. It's right, just a tactic. Right. You see some kids in Portland in black hoodies. You're like, uh oh, that's Black Block. You better watch out because they're going to start throwing cans of soup for my family. You see right. a woman in a pink tutu at an at an anti-war protest in 2003. You're going to be like, oh shit, that's Code Pink right there. That's the Pink Block. They're going to start throwing blood, fake blood on people. All this to say. You can't be complaining about people confronting you politely but firmly in a restroom if that's literally the only space they can be in to ask you questions because you refuse to take meetings with anyone who doesn't cut you a fat-ass check. You can't simultaneously criticize that and then and then be in code pink. I mean, I don't know if anyone remembers, but if you were watching C-SPAN back in 2003, 2004, let's say you're watching a live feed of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee or something— Condoleezza Rice is about to testify about this or that. And then you see some middle-aged women with pink hair in the audience. Right. You're no, like, it was oh, usually, C-SPAN, you know, they don't, they only, had, they only had one camera. So it would just be like, the camera would be on Condoleezza Rice. And then all of a sudden you'd hear, and you're like, okay, here it goes. Here it goes. I mean, they and, were, yeah. They would just God. show up and go house. Yeah, like they messed Paul up Wolf a lot. Of judging a pie eating contest in the Blue Hill County Fair, Code Pink's like, "Let's fucking open this pit up! I want to see everyone in this pit." <laughs> they would just go crazy. Yeah. Kirsten sent him as a part of that. Come on now. Yeah, she rules. Big fan. Not a big fan. Just kidding. Just kidding. Then there was this. Can you explain this Axios article about Kirsten Cinema? Because I think this is part of the big mythologizing around her that I'm sure thrills her, but doesn't really make sense when you think about it. Do you understand? Do you remember that Axios article, John? Yeah, I, I, I got to admit I didn't read the article. I just saw tweet after tweet about it, and uh, I mean it was just all about her style. And here's uh, the here's the lead. Senator Kirsten Sinema's political allies have some free advice for anyone trying to bully the wine-drinking triathlete into supporting President Biden's $3.5 trillion budget bill. She doesn't play by Washington's rules, and she's prepared to walk away. 
She plays by Washington's rules more than George Washington plays by Washington's rules. What does she do? She goes, she flies home to Arizona, has a huge high dollar fundraiser with lobbyists. That's exactly playing by, by Washington's rules, right? That makes no sense to me. How did that article get published? She's, she's doing it more than anybody, right? The people who aren't playing by Washington's rules are Joe Biden actually siding with progressives and being like, fuck everyone, pass both these bills or you'll be passing these nuts. Joe Biden is the one who's crazy. Not a, no, he's not a triathlete and he probably doesn't drink a lot of wine. But compared to Kirsten Sinema, it's like Kirsten Sinema's Benny Goodman and, and Joe Biden's like fucking Sun Ra. He's just blowing the roof off everything. Why does Kirsten Sinema get to be branded as the one who's not playing by Washington's rules? She's having, she's having dinner with lobbyists. Come on. That's playing by Washington's rules. Come on, y'all. Come on. It's Axios, man. Let me get back to Joe Biden and why I love him and why he's the greatest president of all time. So obviously this morning people asked Joe Biden what he thought about the kayaker surrounding the Spanish, the kayak armada surrounding Joe Manchin on his little houseboat, mm-hmm. threatening to send it to the full fathoms five down to the bottom of the deep. And then the people harassing Kirsten Sinema in the bathroom, throwing their own urine and diarrhea all over her in a display un- unparalleled in human history. Joe Biden was like, yeah, that's part of that's like what they signed up for. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe Joe Biden's going so nuts right now. I love it. He's a quiet storm. He is a quiet storm. <laughs> God damn, I was loving Joe Biden last week. I was loving Joe Biden last week. I have to say it. And I know he's disappointing us. I know they're deporting all these Haitians. I know he's doing all these awful things, but God damn. Rem- have you ever in our lifetime, John, remembered a Democratic president actively siding with the progressive part of Congress rather than the centrist moderate part of Congress? No, no. But, you know, we, we've never had, uh, you know, a, a, a progressive caucus that is this large. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's looking at the math. They're, they're pretty big. They're not like the, 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 the Republicans, the, the House Freedom Caucus. Yep, the best caucus of all time. They're actually a, a smaller percentage of Republicans compared to the Congressional Progressive Caucus. So things are changing. Let it be Joe Biden. Let it be Joe Biden. I mean, I know I'll go back to being disappointed, but goddamn, last week I was loving Joe Biden. I couldn't believe it. I was loving Jayapal, too. She did it. Yes, she did. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Code pink, man. I just remember, man. And I don't remember what I thought about Code Pink. Let's get back to this conversation about tactics and stuff. I probably mm-hmm. rolled my eyes at them. But And by the way, John, did Code Pink drive any uh, pro-war neoliberal men very crazy with their hijinks? Were those guys yeah. liking her and respecting those women? Yeah, they were. Did Christopher Hitchens like Code Pink? Yeah, he was pretty <laughs> nice about Code Pink. You know what, Christopher Hitchens? Co- Code Pink was right and you were wrong, bruh. It's, inc- oh, it's incredible. Oh my God, because I mean, you saw the, you saw anyone in pink, you'd be like, oh shit, there's a sign about to get unfurled up in this yep. motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, there was. Someone about to get dragged out of a hearing very hard by their, yeah. under their armpits. They're about to be screaming very much as they get dragged out of this room. I don't know. Did it help, did it help sway opinion about the war? Who knows? No, I don't know how you quantify no, that. I don't think it did. I don't think but it did. It, but here's the thing. When you, and, and I guess this is always kind of tricky. Everyone folk, if you, if you, if you have a visceral disapproval of cinema being followed into a restroom and and politely confronted about her decisions or indecision, 
odds are you just don't approve of the activists doing it. Not because of their tactics, just because of what they want. I think for most people, that's true. I'm not saying that's true for Bill Sher. I think Bill Sher is just focused on tactics. Yeah, I think you're probably right. It's the same people that were against, you know, the the uh, Confederate monuments getting torn down. Exactly. Uh, this isn't you know, the way to do it. Don't don't right. put red paint all over Christopher Columbus. This isn't the way to do it. You know what? Those monuments got torn the fuck down. And nobody gives and they're two gone. shits. They're yeah, gone. They're gone now. Exactly. John, let's turn to sports. What happened with UNC football this weekend? Oh, the, the University of North Carolina Tar Heels took on their rivals, the Duke Blue Devils, in Chapel Hill at Keenan Stadium. And it was ugly, ugly for Duke. Carolina came out and won 38-7. to I think it was uh, the fourth game in a row in the rivalry that uh, UNC has won. So it was a great bounce back for the Heels. Um, the team that beat Carolina last week, Georgia Tech, uh, had another game at home in Atlanta against, uh, you know, mediocre Pitt and lost by like 40 points. So that was, that kind of sucked. But that's good uh, though, right? Our enemies were defeated. We like that. Yeah, they were defeated, but you, you kind of want, you know, it just makes Carolina look even worse. We lost to a team that now has, uh, is like two and four and, and got crushed at home by this other mediocre team. I mean, the ACC, what are you going to say? ACC football. It's, uh, it's not great. Good segment. Let's keep moving. John, let's bang out some listener questions. Contact at electionprofitmakers.com is your home for contacting our podcast. Here's a listener question from Natalie. Natalie writes in, is a Denver resident. Oh God, we're going to keep doing this Denver stuff. I can stay silent no longer. In the tradition of doing my own research, I will pro provide anecdotal evidence and nothing else. John doesn't understand the majority of Denver residents. We are going to higher altitudes all the time. Going to higher altitudes is one of the benefits of living in Denver for hiking, biking, skiing. John's assumption that we have some assumption of care for people coming from sea level is sweet, but unfortunately not my experience. According to my own research, Coloradans will just warn you of altitude sickness, tell you to drink water and move on. I doubt they base architecture policy around the needs of sea level residents. Okay, and John, explain the, explain the context for this letter from Natalie. Remind everybody what this is about. Yeah, the context is I uh, am saying that there will be no buildings, tall buildings in Denver that go higher than 6,000 feet above sea level because that is the point at which people start to feel uh, uncomfortable um, with altitude. And Natalie is saying, no, that, that people from Denver don't care. Exactly. And now I notice that Natalie's letter continues and takes a surprising twist, tying Colorado to your hometown of Chapel Hill. Keep reading, John. This is very yeah. interesting. It says, also, as a Chapel Hill native, Chapel Hill High School, 2006. Chapel Hill Tigers, Jasmine B's Ferrara. This Estes debate also extends to Estes Park near Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado. And remind our listeners what this is about. We were discussing last week that there is a, a road in Chapel Hill called uh, Estes or Estes Drive, and, and David and I have a different interpretation on how to pronounce that. 
uh, and a bunch of listeners have written in and, and given their opinion on it. The thing is, I don't really care about someone's opinion from, I don't care how they pronounce it in Colorado. Wow. wow. I mean, that's great. Wow. That's great. But, you know, people pronounce things differently in different places. Most places, no, they you know, don't. You, they do. They do. You know, like we have, uh, you know, you have the Bahamas, but there's a place in North Carolina called Bahama. It's just, that's just how we pronounce it. It may be wrong, but it's right for here. Uh, you know, Buena Vista. Most people pronounce Buena Vista, but uh, there's a street in Winston-Salem called Buena Vista. That's sort of strange. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's just how they do it, you know? What are the odds, John? Did you plan this, that the, your two recent obsessions that are— that are <laughs> Yeah, I planned it, yeah. yeah. That este- your obsession about the correct pronunciation of E-S-T-E-S and your theory about the uh, 6,000 hard limit, the 6,000-foot hard limit for skyscrapers in Colorado, that both of these, that both of these topics intertwine Colorado and Chapel Hill in kind of a death embrace. That's, that's inc- we couldn't have scripted this better. This is amazing. No, no. This is like prestige television where they have that one episode and you realize everybody knew each other or something. Everybody's connected. Like that movie Crash. They made this movie Crash and it was about how all the white people and black people need to get along, but also they're all connected. Won an yeah. Academy Award. It's called Crash. Won Check a it lot out. of awards. Yeah. As, as it should have. This is our own version of Crash right here. We got Estes mm-hmm. Park. We got Estes Drive. We got 6,000 foot altitude. It's amazing. Uh, okay, Jocelyn writes in. Okay, it's on the same topic. Jake, my partner of 12 years, who is Chapel Hill born and raised and attended Estes Hills Elementary. My, my, This is my pronunciation. Jake agrees with John that it is definitely Estes and not Estes in both the road and the school context. Estes Drive and Estes Drive and Estes Hills Elementary School. So, but then... She writes, plot twist. However, we just called up Jake's 75-year-old dad who has lived in Chapel Hill for 50 years and he really wants you guys to know that he was also on the Chapel Hill Town Council for eight years and was mayor pro tem for two Uh-oh. years. Uh-oh, And he says it is Estes with no yes. hesitation. Plot twist, crash two. We are making the sequel to Crash right now on this podcast. Everything is connected. These plot twists cannot be stopped. This is this is this is motion picture artistry at the of mm-hmm. the highest caliber. Paul Thomas Anderson, take a seat, chump. This is election profit yeah. makers Estes pronunciation extravaganza. Thank All you, right, Robin. Thank you, Estes for yes. life. Robin writes in, hi all, just to weigh in here as a nearly 40-year-old native North Carolinian who has never left and has lived and worked in Chapel Hill. It's Estes. Yes! Yes! Boogie Nights, you're done. The Master, you're done. The one about the man sewing his clothes, you're done. Which one's that? uh, The Phantom Thread. It's a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, and um, Daniel Day-Lewis, he's a a tailor. He makes fine clothes, and he sews secret messages into the clothes, and then his girlfriend wants him to spend more time at home, so she starts... Spoiler alert for The Phantom Thread. And it's a lot of fun, but it can't hold a single candle to what we have going on right now on this episode of our podcast. I am experiencing a feeling known as total and utter vindication. Estes, Estes, Estes. That's right. Estes. Okay. I think we should tease our next Patreon. What is it? 
I think it should be about the story that you told me the other day. <laughs> I totally forgot that. I, right. We had to see. You're right. Yeah. Well, you it's about it. <laughs> you want to do that as David a Patreon? Told, David tells me this story the other day that I got to tell you, uh, I kind of didn't believe it. I kind of thought he was pulling my leg. It didn't make any sense at all to me. And um, I haven't really discussed it further with him, but I thought that it would be something that maybe we could discuss on the podcast at some point. And, it, and I just want to see if other people think that it's as strange a story. And it, I, I'm convinced that it might not even be true because it's so strange. It's, it's true. It's a minor, it's a, let's just talk, let's just talk about it right now for free. Everyone can hear this story with the assumption that if you enjoy this story, it would be, we really appreciate it if you would sign up for our Patreon. How's that? We will monetize my life history in the classic, in the classic business model of the famous memoirists of, of yesteryear. Okay, I hope that you tell this better than you told it the first time. Because the first time it was it, not believable. You, you tell it. So David tells me, uh, he says, I just had this memory that when I lived in Boston, I used to go by the name of Caltech. I used to go by this name and everyone knew me as Caltech and they didn't know my real name. And I just remembered that after all these years. Well, I mean, <laughs> and um, it does sound weird, but I mean, it's just, yeah, okay, keep going. I want to yeah, hear, I like, yeah. I like so, hearing I mean, your interpretation of it as somebody who is decades yeah, removed from this. Okay, so he says that he was trying out for a band or he saw an ad. He, he saw an ad, uh, you know, like on a telephone pole or something that said, hey, try out for our band, call this number. And we need a, what do they need, a drummer? It was, a, I had just moved to Boston and I didn't know a lot of people. And so I decided to try to make friends. I'm really bad at making friends. So I, I employed two strategies. One was I went to a movie theater and it was like a fancy, or it was like an art house cinema, and there was a flyer for a movie discussion group. And I thought, oh, I like talking about movies. I'll join a movie discussion group. I'll, I'll meet a million young people. And it was me and like 20 middle-aged div women, divorcees and widows. And it was great. We had a lot of fun. The other, the other group I joined, well, the other, my other strategy was, oh, I, I play in a band. I'll join some more bands. And I saw a flyer in my neighborhood of Lower Alston, L.A. Rock City, and it said, we're a surf band and we need a drummer. We're holding auditions. So I called the number because I thought, I can play surf rock. That's pretty easy. No, so David says he's going to call this number and he calls the number and a guy answers and David says, yeah, I'm interested in uh, auditioning for the band. And the guy says, oh, great. Uh, Billy's not here right now. Um, I'll, uh, let me get your, your name and number and... Um, and then David says at this point that he panics and is it doesn't want now you just said that you wanted to meet friends and but he panics and, and doesn't want to leave his real name. So he says, uh, yeah, my name is Cal. Cal Caltech. And here's my number. And uh, and he did that because he, he didn't want to give out his real name. In case because. there were murderers. It was it was a big city. I'd never lived in a big city before. Who knows what kind of people play surf rock? This could be their way of luring people into their basement and dismembering them. 
the old surf rock scam, right? I realized in that moment, wait a minute, these people live probably in my neighborhood because I found the flyer in my neighborhood. I'm not going to give them my real name. They might hunt me down. But then you have to go, um, okay, so what happened next? So I said, my name is Cal. My, uh, my name is Caltech. I have no idea where that came from. I have no idea. And this guy who was taking the message, who wound, who wound up being like one of my best friends in Boston, and who was living in a house that just was like the house we would always go to on Friday nights to eat, you know, three cheese bean dip and drink beer and listen to listen to Journey records or whatever. Uh, he took the name, and then I auditioned, and I went down in the basement, and I played drums, and I said, my name is Caltech. And they were all like, okay, nice to meet you, Cal. I'm so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so. They wound up not hiring me. They hired a different drummer. But, I'm, but I'll tell you that the lead guitarist and the drummer wound up getting married and having two kids together. So it all worked out. to the story. But here's Sorry. the story. They, they did not think that it was strange that your name was Caltech. I'm sure they just thought see, it Cal was a, is a, a nickname. That's normal, but Cal, yeah, okay. They just thought it was a nickname. I'm sure what they thought was that my name was Cal and that Caltech was my nickname. Right. And so then what happened was, I, I went, a, they went, a, <laughs> I remember it now, it does sound kind of crazy. So then I told my housemates, uh-huh. yeah. we're all going to go to a party at their house. And I said, listen, guys, because these housemates I went to college with, they knew me as David. I said, we're going to go to this party and there's going to be a lot of people there and they're going to be calling me Cal. Will you just go along with it? I don't want to. I, it's too. I don't want to tell them my real name now. It's too late. I'm just Cal. In this, in this, in this social environment, my name is Cal. So just go along with it. If they mention Cal, they're talking about me. Or if they mention Caltech, they're not talking about an institution of higher learning. They're talking about me. Okay. So your roommates all agreed to do this. I think so. Yeah. And then the thing that happened was then maybe a year or so later, my band was playing a show, and my ex had come to visit me, and a lot of my Boston friends were at this gig. And my ex mentioned David, and my Boston friends were like, who is David? And my ex pointed to me on stage, because I was rocking and rolling, right? And she was like, that's David. Yeah. And they were like, no, that's Cal. And then we all had to have a big meeting, like, what's going on? <laughs> is your name David or Cal? And then I had to explain, oh. my name is David, but I, I told Jeff on the phone my name was Cal because I was worried you would all murder me. I didn't realize we were all going to become best buds, whatever. It's All just right, one of those things question. that happened. We were in our 20s. It was the 90s, man. We were working at coffee shops. And, you know, it was just like, it was the end of history. It was Francis Fukuyama. Blame him. It was the end of history. We could do whatever we yeah. wanted. Right. So, for yeah, and I had forgotten about it for a while. But, yeah, I had a whole era in my life where a lot of people knew me as Caltech. It's a good nickname. I mean, I stand by the nickname. And I stand by, you know what else? Do you want this to take a darker turn? Because, actually, this is interesting. I've never made this connection before. I gave them a fake name in case they were murderers and they were going to do something to me. And I just wanted to suss them out before I told them my first and last name, okay? At the same time, living in that same apartment directly across the street, there was a guy, a French Haitian named or something. He was impeccably dressed and he made passes at me and two of my other house, three of my other housemates, I think. And they would always follow the identical pattern. He would meet us on the sidewalk, start small talk. Uh, he met me on the sidewalk and asked me what I was doing in, in, in Boston. I said, I don't know, I'm bumming around. I just graduated from philo- with a philosophy degree. Like, I don't know, I'm playing in a band. He was like, oh, I'm studying in the philosophy department at Harvard. We should get together and talk about philosophy. So one night he invited me over to his apartment and it was 
a weird vibe. He asked me to get some beers out of his refrigerator. I went to his refrigerator. It was filled with nothing but imported beer. I'd never seen so much fancy beer. He said I could put on any CD I wanted. So I chose Kind of Blue by Miles Davis because I was trying to be sophisticated to impress this Harvard PhD guy, right? This mm-hmm. this glamorous French-Haitian guy. Things started to feel a little off, and I left. We ran into each other again, and he took me out to dinner at a famous Middle Eastern restaurant in Cambridge. Or not Middle Eastern, it was like Tunisian or something. It's a super famous— Anyway, we went to some restaurant. He took me out to dinner in Cambridge. And he said, I really like you. I can make you really happy. You would never have to work a day in your life. We'll travel around the world together. Let's go on a vacation. And I said, that sounds really nice, but I'm not romantically attracted to you. Like, I'm not gay, um, but Mm -hmm. thanks. That was the end of it. He moved on to my next housemate. Started doing the exact same thing. Invited them over Hmm. for drinks. Why don't you go get a beer? Open the refrigerator. Nothing but beer. Pick out a CD. I can make you so happy. You're so good looking. You're so handsome. Housemate like, "Mm, not for me, thanks. Bye-bye. Moved on to the next. And, you know, so eventually it was like that type of thing that happens. A whisper network. Like, avoid that guy. Right. And then every so often since then, this now keep in mind, this is 1995, let's say. Okay? This is, what's that, 25 years ago? It was such a it was such a specific and uncanny memory that every so often I would try to remember ways to Google this person. Right. Again, this is this you is thought not, this guy might have become famous at some right. point. Yeah. Or yeah. yeah, it was just like an interesting guy. Like, what was his deal? Right. Right. Yeah. Earlier this year, the Google search I must have gotten the right search terms, and it hit. This guy was a serial rapist of twenty something men in Cambridge. And this was absolutely his M.O. He told people that he was studying at Harvard and he would bring them to his apartment and he would rape them. And there were news articles about him where the Cambridge police or the Harvard security said, everybody be on the lookout for this guy. He's just been released from prison or whatever and he's back and we can't do anything about it yet. So just be aware of it. Oh my God. Right. It's not, that's not a fun, I'm saying this is not a fun story, but thinking yeah. back on all this, it's like, maybe there was something to me giving a fake name to, to audition for the surf rock band. I should have given the dude across the street a fake name. What the fuck was I yeah. doing? Right? I, mis- I misapplied my strategies. Anyway. That's terrifying. The women obviously deal with this all the time getting themselves out of threatening situations, right? Mm-hmm. But this was the only, this thing with the or whatever his name was. That was the only time where where I read this article and I was like, oh my God, holy fuck. That could have been awful, you know? Yeah. So he wasn't a Harvard professor? He was faking that? or I think so. I think so, yeah. And he's in jail now? I don't know. This article was from back in 1995. I had no idea where he is. None. All right. Well, that, well. That, that took an unexpectedly dark turn. Yeah. But yeah, back in the day, my nickname was Caltech, and everyone in Boston knew me as Cal, and it was a great name, and I stand by that name. The end. Where do we go from there? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, sorry, I don't know uh, if I'm going to leave that in. It was just like, it's been on my mind no, recently. I think, no, I think you should leave that in. It's fascinating. Right. It doesn't have to go anywhere. Right. Um, yeah, that's crazy. 
I mean, you know, it's 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 that thing where all of us, you know, and I'm not saying that like, no, never mind. There's no way to express it succinctly. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, that was an experience where it was like, oh, this is what it's like to be a woman, that type mm-hmm. of thing, right? Where you have yeah. to navigate so delicately, you know, like, oh, right. um, this vibe is, oh, like now he's sitting in his armchair and his legs are wide open. How much information right. should I read into that? Oh, there's nothing but beer in this refrigerator. How much information should I read into that? You know, right? And like, I don't want to piss this guy off. Exactly. It's all he's, that he's, stuff. He's a, it's fucking. He's exhausting. a powerful. He's a powerful man. Yeah, he's in the philosophy yeah, department you know? at Harvard. He's probably like one of the most powerful right. people in the world, right? Because I was going to right. write. You know, Harvard philosophy department had public lectures on Friday, on Friday evenings, and I would right. go to these lectures for free when I was done working my crummy day job. You know, see W. V. Quine or whatever, or Thomas Nagel, like all these legends. It's yeah, like, no, I want to. I want to get in with this crew. I can't. I can't turn this guy down rudely. Right. Like, what if he offers me to be his thesis advisor or whatever? I didn't know what I was doing. I was a fucking 20, 22 year old idiot. When do you stop anyway. being an idiot? Oh, death! Wow, we went from we went from creating the new version of Crash by Paul Haggis. And then we ended the career of Paul Thomas Anderson, and then we ended this. Then we entered this psychosexual realm. Of like the like we're the hottest new darkest new Netflix thriller. I don't know what else mm-hmm. anyone could ask. I don't know what you what else could you ask from a podcast about betting on politics? Maybe we should talk about betting on politics. When I go to predictit.org, John, and search Kirsten Cinema, there are no markets for cinema because her race is years and years away. There's uh mm-hmm. which party will win the Arizona Senate race? That's in 2022. The Democratic Party is trading at 61 cents, Republican at 39 cents. Can you imagine anything about cinema potentially tanking the Build Back Better agenda along with Manchin that would affect the outcome of this race? I can't imagine but it would But that's make- for Kelly, right? That's Kelly's race. Yeah, that's Kelly. Yeah, yeah. Should we buy in at 62 cents? Is that a good price? I'm not buying in All right. this early, no. Okay, too early. I know you don't like keeping your money tied up. Yeah. You'll remember last week that I decided to do some psychological hedging with the market. Will the Senate pass a bill via reconciliation by November 1st? I was so down on this happening that I psychologically hedged and bought no. Now, early in this week, I was making money on this. I am dead even in this market right now. I have $33 invested. That's a lot of money for me right now. Patreon.com slash election profit makers. Will the Senate pass a bill via reconciliation by November 1st? I have no change in my initial investment. There was a little up and down movement in the waves. And now I don't know. Do you think it'll pass by November 1st? Yeah, I think so. Um, I do know. You didn't. Did you invest last week in the will the Senate vote to avoid a shutdown by September 30th? I no. went in heavy on that one. And oh, really? Up, well, yeah. I, I made about 90 bucks on that. Woo! I can't so, shut yeah. down and debt limit stuff. It just, I get brain freeze. I can't think about it. I can't talk about it. I can't process mm-hmm. it. It's too frustrating. But I'm glad you made money. Let's talk about this market really quick, John, although this one's kind of a bummer. How much spending will be in the reconciliation package? We have brackets all the way from $3.5 trillion or more, which is what we want, which is what all Jayapal's crew wants, all the mm-hmm. way down to $1.5 trillion or lower, which is what Joe Manchin wants, which is what Kirsten Sinema wants. I can't believe these two knuckleheads can just, can just, buy, can just knock trillions of dollars off this thing. Now, the leading bracket is 1.75 to $2 trillion. That's trading at 30 cents. 
Next up is 1.5 trillion or lower. I'll never invest in that because it's too heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Should we get into 1.75 to $2 trillion at 30 cents? Uh, I, I, I like 1.75 to 2 trillion and 2 trillion to 2.25 trillion. Fuck it. I'm I buying can't two. See, yeah. I can't see it being, being less than 1.75. I'm but buying yeah, 2 trillion I, to 2.5 trillion because it's the, it's, it's bad, but it's better than the options and it's cheap at 21 cents. So I'm, yeah, in. there we go. Come on, Joe Biden. Come on, Joe Biden. Change their minds. I wish Joe Biden would, would get in a little kayak and paddle around Joe Manchin's houseboat and yell at him. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, let's see. This podcast is called Election Profit Makers. It's a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell with help, as always, from Houston Snyder and Kat Iosa. You can send your election prediction questions. I want to close out the Estes pronunciation stuff. That's done. We no longer accept we no longer accept correspondence about that. And I'm also closing out the Colorado elevation stuff, John. And I know you're okay with that. But anything else that you want to talk about is fair game. Contact at electionprofitmakers.com. And if you can believe this, we still have a, a relationship with Predict It. So if you want to bet on stuff, go to Predict It. Predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20. Receive up to $20 in matching funds. And as always, as always, put endives in your salad. It's a total game changer. I got so into endives last week. But also rate and review us on your podcast apps and whatnot and tell your friends. Because we need to boost these listen, we need to boost these listener numbers. Yeah. And tell your friends too. And uh, you can support us at patreon.com slash election profit makers. If you want to hear us talk about uh, infinite baseball fields or some of the other special episodes we've posted. Remember, we gave away all this incredible Caltech nickname content for free. So you owe us patreon.com slash election profit makers. My name is, uh, what did I say my name was? Rufus Hornswoggle, the Gatorade guzzler. And it's been a pleasure talking to you. And also it's been a pleasure talking to my friend, Long John Silver. John, I'm taking my leave of you. Goodbye. Okay. Goodbye, David. 